Welcome back to this episode of Break Bread. I know it's been a while that I have posted an episode, but I do want to first and foremost say thank you to every single person who has supported me, who has reposted, who has sent me kind words. And I know that it was genuine because they were so detailed and specific. I want to say thank you to those who have aggressively asked me where the next episode is, um, probably at some point every week. (laughs) I really wanted to make sure I was putting out actual content in depth and not just content just to put it out every week. Um, And, you know, it was my intention originally to do something every week, but then I realized that that just... This past month, which it just wasn't possible for me. And so I'm really hoping that this episode will really resonate with most people and that you'll appreciate it and know it's been something that I've been sitting with for the last two weeks, but it's also something that I've been experiencing for the last two weeks. Um, Second, I want to say thank you to, I have to give a shout out to my one of my best friends, Genesis. There is a coffee shop, I cannot remember the name, that is located in Brooklyn, New York. And she put me on to this beautiful drink. If you know me, you know I'm a foodie. But on Break Bread, I really always like to talk about what I'm eating and drinking just because I really believe that when you break bread with people, especially over a meal, there's a genuineness that comes from sharing a meal with someone and having a conversation and just being intentional in that process. But she put me on to an iced oat milk. She likes it hot. I like it iced, but, you know, I might change my mind. But it's an iced oat milk matcha latte with lavender. The matcha green tea powder packets from Trader Joe's are bomb. Um, It's nice because it's six packets, so easily you can just, you don't have to measure how much matcha you want to put in your drink. You can just use a packet. And I use a lavender syrup. Um, I have not yet learned how to puree a lavender um, yet. I plan on learning how to do that. And I don't always recommend a syrup-based anything typically. But, you know, it's saving me monies. So that's just what we're going to do. I just found myself, I probably drink this thing probably like four times a week-ish. So... It was just best that I learned how to make it at home. And I always recommend whatever your favorite meal is, whatever your favorite drink is, learn how to make that shit. Especially if you eat or drink something regularly, learn how to make it and save your coin. Just off the top. But yes, thanks, Jen. Appreciate you. Follow her too, the first Jen Instagram. She is a lifestyle influencer. And oh, that is just like the most bomb tips and tricks on things, what she eats, what she does, especially if you're in New York City. So I really want to talk about sacred solitude. I have these periods. My friends will tell you. I go through periods where I just retreat. And it's kind of a known thing about me now where I really just take the time to map out my life and when I say map out my life not necessarily to say like what do I want to do next but more of 
what my situations are, what my relationships look like, what my spiritual relationship looks like, what my relationship with my family looks like, what my relationship to my work or my career, what could I be doing more, how could I be a better service to others, how can, what does my community look like? I'm very intentional about trying to figure out where these things are or where I'm at in these areas of my life and how to improve them or how to make them better or if I need to pivot. And so sometimes it's, I retreat because I need to or I want to or I'm feeling unfulfilled. So I'm trying to figure out where I'm feeling unfulfilled or sometimes it's because something happened to me and I need to either deal with it or grieve it and move on or sometimes it's just uh, how can I have more and I really learned how to do that back in 2020 Um, I had been in therapy at the time and I had originally gone to therapy because I have always been on the go I have always worked 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 Um, I mean, I was so enamored and so involved and so into my work that other areas of my life, I either, they were either at a stagnant place or, and they weren't progressing or thriving or growing, or I just neglected them overall. So for instance, my dating life at that time, neglected. Um, I think I was single at that point. I think it was five years in at that point, and I just did not care to date or at least be serious in dating if I did decide to date. Um, And then an example of maybe something that was stagnant was my relationships with people. I was really on that no new friends tips just because I'd had established really great relationships, but even those I don't think I was actively watering or trying to take them to the next level. The only thing I was hyper-focused on was work. And that was it. And I've always been that. I've always been someone who's worked. I've worked since I was 15. I've always had multiple jobs, multiple projects. I have some level of fulfillment in my work. But something I learned in therapy very quickly was that my therapist pointed out that I was high-key addicted to work. And the reason I was probably high-key addicted to work was because that was probably the area in my life that I can control the most. I didn't know that at the time, but now in hindsight, I think I have been addicted to work just because I've been able to control it. In other areas of my life, you can't really control. You can try, or you might feel like you're succeeding for a certain amount of time until you realize, oh shit, I can't. As I was addicted to work, when I was overworked or taking on too much, because I think at this point I had two jobs, but I also had two projects going on. Um, And these weren't things that I needed to do. It It was never about feeling like, oh, I have to work multiple jobs. It was things that were fulfilling me. I I willingly was working multiple jobs. I willingly was taking on projects. Like every time I would hear something that I felt like was a great opportunity, I would want to hop on it. And I would find a way to make it work. In order to cope or to manage my stress at the time with work, I was dealing with an addiction with other addictions. Now, fast forward to COVID 2020 and the world stopped. I was coming off of a very strong 2019. I was going into my last semester of grad school. I had lived overseas for a little bit working on a project. I was traveling to other countries 
in the process, other continents. And now for I've been working since I was 15 and here I am 27, soon to be 28, and I hadn't slowed down. And when COVID happened, everybody can attest to this, the world shut down. And what does that look like? Everything stopped. Most things stopped for me. Um, the only thing that didn't really stop was grad school, just because I was in the process of writing a thesis and trying to graduate. But everything stopped. And when things stopped, I realized I was very uncomfortable sitting by myself. I had never had to before. So after graduating, I just remember thinking like, I think everybody in, at the point who was graduating was thinking like, am I gonna get a job? Is this, are there even jobs? I just remember July of 2020, I was feeling very unfulfilled. That is when I had made this very specific prayer because I had realized like, okay, now I'm sitting still and I'm realizing productivity is not the same as making an impact. And, you know, I was watching a TikTok the other day and this girl, she made, it was very clear. It was like, we've now been conditioned to live in a society and in a world based off the imagination of white colonialists, you know, especially the white man. And so that has basically shaped our and warped our perception of what productivity looks like, what sense of self looks like, what worth looks like, what love looks like, what religion looks like, what race looks like, all of these constructs that we are constantly being met with are not even rooted in authenticity. And so now going into 2020 and getting a job and moving to another city, I'm essentially asking God at this point to show me who I really am. So fast forward to January 2021. January 2021. I felt a shift happen and I could feel it coming from December. I could feel relationships starting to change. I could feel the environment around me starting to change. I could feel like I'm going to be stationed for a while. There's going to be nothing for me to do. And when it started happening, I kid you not, from January 1st to about mid-March, probably the end of March, actually, I cried probably every single day. What happened to me was I entered a space of solitude. It was forcefully put on me because I think that I wasn't serious enough to do it myself. And one thing about solitude that I will say is it is either going to be something that we do willfully or it's something that's going to happen forcefully. And when it happens forcefully, what that looks like is a state of disruption or chaos. Things called tower moments where it'll just be situation after situation after situation keeps happening. So whether it's you got into a car accident, you lost your job, you ended up going through a heartbreak, and maybe you have a passing in the family. I was in a city where it was wintertime and it was cold, and we had curfew because of COVID restrictions, and we also had indoor restrictions because of COVID, so there really wasn't much we could do. It was also getting dark at 4.45 p.m., but it was just this intense purge where... Not only are you dealing with all of these life things that are happening to you, but you are also 
dealing with yourself. And while I was sitting dealing with myself, it was like this mirror was held out in front of me. And all I remember is literally going through every possible thing I didn't want to go through. I started reliving childhood traumas. I started having repressed memories come up, things that I thought I had suppressed, things that I even forgot even happened to me. I started dealing with cycles, cycles of situations. I was literally entering or repeating cycles of things that I thought I had healed from or things that I thought I would never go through again as I'm actively going through them again. I was going through relationship dynamic changes, watching whether it was like a codependent relationship fall apart or having to distance myself from people because at this point too you're dealing with all of these things coming up like vomit and it was it felt uncontrollable to the point where to explain this to someone you almost kind of feel like you're crazy right you almost kind of feel like what the hell is going on with me why is this happening i was watching repetitive things happen in the sense that things that I had experienced in childhood were actually reoccurring in my present day life. And so I feel like I knew that I had to have a moment of solitude to really unpack things, but because I kept putting it off, whether that was disguised by my work, whether that was disguised by whatever else it was, I felt like God had forced my hand. He was like, this is the time. And it was interesting because this was like a small window, literally from half of January till about March. I had a window of work where work had slowed down completely for me. And I had just wrapped up like my second big project. And it was like right after that, that I was really feeling things. And so what did I learn from all of this? This is where we really get into solitude. Solitude is the most effective and best way to really uncover and know who we are at the core. It is where our most authentic self resides. I think it is the key to understanding our selves. It is the key to understanding who we are as beings. And it is something that we don't realize that for all of our lives, we have been told who we are, we've been told what to do, we've had people put their perceptions on us, we've had people put their judgments on us, we've had people put their criticisms on us, we've had people put their limitations on us. We have had people tell us who we are, and if we have grown, we'll have the same people who will try and pull you back and tell you about yourself, and it's like, no, 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 I'm not that person anymore. And sometimes that's a hard concept for people, um, because a lot of times people you're surrounded by want to keep you in a space that's familiar to them. It's not necessarily meaning that there's any negativity surrounding that, but people are they don't like change. They like comfort. And when you start changing or growing or elevating, that can become something very difficult for people to understand or to swallow. And a lot of times that will trigger in them abandonment or neglect, which will in turn t- trigger in you judgment and guilt. And then it just becomes this push-pull dynamic. And so when you start uncovering who you are, it's very uncomfortable. Solitude is not something that is 
easy to do. It's not as simple as, oh, I'm going to take this weekend to myself. No, if you shut out the noise, you don't watch the TV, you don't spend time on social media, but you actually start spending time with yourself, you have to start asking the questions, who am I? What do I offer to this world? What is my purpose? And that sometimes is a heavy thing to carry too, especially when you see other people living in their purpose to try and figure out yours, it can get frustrating. And, you know, I will be honest, for me personally, the things I was attached to, because I worked heavily, a lot of the things that I attached my sense of self and my sense of worth to were work-related. And then you start getting into your accolades. And, and then you start talking about other things like, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend. And, you know, one story I'll even tell you is even down to your physical. I know for me, anybody who's known me, I am naturally a thick girl. I've always been a thick girl literally from birth up until I probably had just turned 28. And when I started entering this space of solitude, a purge happened where I was releasing a lot of things. I was crying a lot. I was losing weight a lot. I was, you know, discovering things that I liked or I forgot I liked and discarding things that I didn't like or I didn't want to be anymore. And I didn't realize how much my sense of worth was tied to my physical body. Um, I had always had ass, um, and I always had thighs. And, you know, I remember someone once told me, and they were like, oh, you got a little something back there. And I just remember in my mind, my, my jaw dropped. And I was just like, what? And I hadn't realized how much weight I was losing and would continue to lose. And so I also didn't realize how much my sense of identity had been rooted in my ass. It changed the way I viewed myself, what I would wear, how I would wear things, certain outfits, certain looks, and I realized I no longer look this way. Or I would have never realized that that was something I had to unpack. But overall, once these things are stripped from you, right, and that was something that COVID taught me in 2020, when all of these things are gone, when you can no longer work, when relationships die off, when you no longer look the same, who are you and what do you have? And I truly believe that we are divine beings. We are really souls having a human experience. And sometimes that can be easily forgotten. We are extensions of God. God literally lives within us. And there's a quote that I really love that says, too often we think of God as above us rather than within us. And so we make ourselves small instead. And I know for me, just growing up in the church, that was essentially our belief. God was something to fear. God was the judge of everything. And if you do right, you'll be rewarded. And if you do wrong, you're going to be punished. And so that is almost kind of rooted in worthiness. The minute we make bad decision and there's no compassion or grace for human error, we start thinking of ourselves as small or as not good enough. And that is when it starts translating into our relationships and our environment. And that can be very detrimental. And we're all intuitive beings. And I think 
One important thing that I harp on a lot is intuition. I like to think of intuition as this little divine voice from God that serves as a, you know, a guiding compass or direction um, in our lives. And until we allow ourselves to remove the clutter, we continue to suppress our intuition. And specifically for men, especially living in such a patriarchal society, society tells men what they need to be to be masculine. First and foremost, you know, this could be a whole other podcast episode as well. Masculinity and femininity are energies. They are not man and woman. Now, more so than not, men reside more in a masculine energy. Women reside more in a feminine energy. But that does not necessarily mean that that's how it is for everyone, we're supposed to create a delicate balance. Some people sit in one energy a little bit more or find comfort more in one energy more than the other. And I think for men and just society and how society is set up, it's a little bit more rigid. You know, there are some men who bask in femininity a little bit more than others. And I wanna be very clear before we get into this that femininity is also related to things like creativity. It's also related to things like manifesting. It's also related to things like being a visionary. It's, it's not sexuality. So I do want to harp on that. But a lot of things like being caretakers. There are men who want to be caretakers just as much as they want to be providers. Being a provider is a form of caretaking, but being nurturing is also a form of being a caretaker. And I think that that's important to distinguish that these energies are not about sexuality. But to continue on, um, I think that a lot of men associate it with that. And so there's a lot of neglect of their femininity. But again, these are societal constructs. And so I think what happens is that there's so much clutter. There's just so much clutter and there's so much smoke that people truly don't have a sense of self or don't have a self of understanding or how to proceed. And I'll use an example. Um, I had someone tell me months ago that they, their actions are basically in opposition of their thoughts and their ideals. And at first I was like, huh. So you're aware, which I think is one, is a great thing to be aware of that. And then I really thought about it and I was like, wow, this actually makes perfect sense. And the reason it makes perfect sense is that because intuition is often suppressed, it is often suppressed because we live in a society today where a lot of our information, we're consuming information first and foremost at high alarming rates. I'm going to say alarming, but we are constantly consuming. We are probably the generation that consumes the most. It is information from social media. It's information from your work. It's information from your parents. It's information from your friends. It's information from when you walk outside in your environment, in your community. It's information from, you know, your loved ones. It's information from social media, from the TV, from news. And it's, it's world news at this point. And so what happens is 
We are constantly being told how to operate, how to live. And because we don't have a sense of self, we are neglecting the little intuitive voice inside of us that is telling us one thing, but because society is telling us another thing, society that again is rooted in the imagination of white men, that this is how we operate today, now you're in conflict with what you want to do, what you feel like you should do, and what you're actually doing. And I think when we enter spaces of solitude, we're able to fully understand or unpack more of the clutter, more of the noise, more of the things that have been imposed on us to really discern what it is that is best for us. A lot of times we're receiving advice or we're receiving information from people who believe in groupthink, from people who themselves are being told what they should do and actually have no real valid or factual reason or truth behind what it is they're soliciting to you. And now we are in a space where it starts to compromise sense of self. It starts to compromise our perceived reality. It starts to compromise the trust that we have. Because when you really start to think about it, we are now sitting here receiving information from someone that we think we should trust. And because we receive information, we've not only experienced, if you act on it, we are now only experiencing self-betrayal and a lack of self-trust. But then when the consequences of the actions that we didn't even truly align with show up, we now have a little bit of distrust towards the person that gave us the information. So now you are treading down a path where you don't trust people. You don't trust people, first of all, because you've given them the power to make decisions for you and it's backfired. Then you don't trust yourself because you have now suppressed, neglected, or abandoned the little voice inside of you that's telling you what you should be doing. And also you lack discernment, which is a muscle that is built when you're able to make decisions for yourself. You lack discernment to discern if you even have the right people around you that you can trust. And now I'm going to take it a step further and say you lack faith or you don't have a trust in a higher source, a higher power or God. I understand not everybody's religious or spiritual, but whatever it is that you believe in, that source you lack trust in. And that's going to ruffle feathers. I'm very aware. But let me explain. If you don't trust people, you are saying you don't trust yourself because you don't trust yourself that you would even have the discernment to know if people are trustworthy or that you can pick people around you that you trust. And then you're saying, I don't trust God because God is within us and resides in us the way I said before. And you don't have the faith that God has one unconditional love for us and would want us to have people around us that we trust. And now we're saying we don't trust that God has been able to put people in our lives that we can trust. And I'm gonna take it even a step further. And now because we have this skewed reality in front of us, the skewed perception of what life is, we start perceiving threats that are not actual threats. Meaning people, maybe the people that we are asking God to send into our lives, 
we have now received those people, but because we are still continuing on a path of a lack of self-trust and not doing the work that would be required during solitude, we are now perceiving them as a threat when they could be the very people God has sent to you that you've asked for. And that leads to self-betrayal, that leads to self-sabotage, that leads to putting out an energy that says, I'm not trustworthy, that causes you know, people to repel each other, and the list goes on. And so I think that it's super important to start asking yourself the questions that you can't really ask unless you're on your own. Who am I? What is around me? Who is around me? What is my purpose? And that is another thing that I think solitude, that is another thing I think the gift of solitude gives us is our sense of purpose. And a lot of people are uncomfortable in this space too. A lot of people have either given up on it or there's a lot of negativity surrounding purpose. Um, I truly believe Sorry if you heard my ice machine. That was my ice machine. But I think that everybody has the same purpose in life. It just is expressed differently. I think that our purpose in life is to be living expressions of God. And at the root of that, that is love. And I think how do we become living expressions of God? I think that we do that by utilizing the gifts that God has given us individually and expressing that in service of humanity. So using these gifts to service those in our community and around the world. And you know, some obvious ones would be using music to basically shift the culture, drawing in the attention of bigger issues. For some people that's painting, for some people that's working in healthcare and wellness, for some people that's through engineering. Um, I have a friend who is finishing dental school and she was both a pre-dental student but also an art student. And she felt like art and dentistry were synonymous. And she really described it in a way, and maybe I should have her on the podcast one day, in a way that was so profound to me that I never thought. you. And it was just this whole in-depth conversation that I had never truly understood most people who went into dentistry i know went into dentistry because of money um just because maybe they were naturally good at it or felt like it was something that kept their attention but it was her story that really made me look at dentistry very differently and i thought it was very beautiful um so that would be an example i also think that what's important to that solitude does, which I kind of spoke on previously, was that our internal state is often represented externally. Um, And I think that when we start questioning relationships, when we start questioning jobs, when we start questioning, you know, our environment or where we want to go, that really allows us to best create our reality. I think that we are all creators. We are all here on this earth to create. We are all here to be alchemists. And I truly believe we best do these things when we are the most authentic version of ourselves. And that's really having a firm understanding of who we are. 
again, a lot of people place their perceptions of us on us and they place their judgments on us and they place who they think we should be on us. And unfortunately, our perception of self is not often our own. Having an awareness, I think, is an understanding of who you are, but the way you are oftentimes is not because of who you want to be. Rather, it is because people have put that on you. And I don't know, I just really think that solitude is something that will reveal who we are at our core, which are divine beings. It'll introduce us to our higher selves, which allows us to better service and better function in society. I think that solitude has allowed me to block out the voices of other people and what other people were putting on me. I mean, I've generally, for the most of my life, have arguably you know, been more of a rebel child. But even in that, there were things that you know, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. My parents would say otherwise. They would probably say I disappointed them a lot <laughs> along the way just because I had a strong voice. And I think to them I had a strong sense of self, but I don't think I did. There were still things that I didn't do out of respect for them that maybe now I probably would have gone back and done. Um, I think that solitude has given me obedience. I think in the last year I made a lot of major life decisions based off of and I'm gonna be honest they were not rational they were not logical they were truly based off of a feeling that I knew that I had to make and at the time that I was making these decisions um, probably 90% of people maybe 95 were against them and now here I am today thinking that those were probably the best decisions I've ever made in my life Um, I think that solitude is hard because we do end up having to sit with ourselves and uncover and unpack and it's a long process to me. I mean, I'm still dealing with a lot of things. I'm not saying, I don't believe that people are ever truly healed, but a large, a lot of my baggage has been cleared. I will say that. What might've been, you know, trucks worth of junk, now maybe a couple cars, you know? So I think that Solitude has really allowed me to unpack and uncover. And I know that that's not easy for everybody and everybody doesn't necessarily have, that's even sometimes arguably a privilege to have the time to be able to do that. Um, But I also want to really, I really want to draw attention to that. We don't get to choose the cards we've been dealt, but it is our responsibility to be accountable for how we move forward, how we transmute the things that we've experienced, how we seek help how we can better be for ourselves and for others around us. I will say that solitude has allowed me to develop compassion. In my episode, A Toast to Friendship, I talked with Nikki about times that I thought I was a bad friend, and that was during a weaponization of words or just kind of being angry. And I didn't know I was angry at the time. Um, I mean... I can really read the hell out of someone. I am very observant and I process fast and I'm good with words. And I was the type of person that I would rip somebody apart and then I'm crying afterwards. I never felt good 
to come for someone. But I hated that I was even able to be taken to that level because that also was a wound, right? It was a trauma that why did I ever feel like I had to be in a space to really attack someone's sense of worth or self-esteem? That was something I had to win back. So I think being in solitude allowed me to rid myself of defensiveness, rid myself of ego, rid myself of, and when I say ego, don't get me wrong, I still have ego, but I know that I might have to take a minute before I respond to somebody. I think solitude gave me this capacity for compassion to a point where even when I feel wronged, I know a lot of times what people have projected onto me, what people have placed on me have absolutely nothing to do with me. I don't feel the need. I think that's another thing too. People, sometimes when you're used to chaos or you're used to the rah-rah that you feel like that is how you know no one's gonna tolerate your shit. At that point, I'm not arguing because now I just feel like this has nothing to do with me. Your treatment of me has nothing to do with me. Um, and I also understand too, in a space of solitude, that it's difficult to be vulnerable. It's difficult to even ask for help or even to explain what it is that you are going through. I also had people who didn't understand. And I think when you start going through the shedding of layers and the unpacking and the uncovering, that when you can't articulate that and when you're in relationship with people, we have a problem. Um, one book I'll recommend is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Don't make assumptions. Um, a lot of people placed assumptions or thoughts about what I was going through and made it about them, right? And so what does that look like? When you are in relationship with someone and it has looked a certain way for a period of time, the minute you start to go through things, whether it's you're growing, you're elevating, or whatever it is, you start to energetically shift. And sometimes that energetic shift comes before the actions, right? And when you start to do that, you'll notice that either people will cling tighter or people will start assuming that something's going on with you and you don't even know yet that something's going on with you, but they're feeling it. And then you start to realize that your actions are not the same as they were before. And so now, because this is so different and unfamiliar to the other person in it, it has now become about the other person and feeling like, this person doesn't love me anymore, this person doesn't fuck with me anymore, this person doesn't want anything to do with me, or this person thinks they're better than me, this person is mad about X, Y, and Z. Instead of it just being a simply they're going through something, or even instead of it being something as simple as asking, what are you going through? There are gonna be assumptions that are made, and you are using your surroundings and whatever empirical evidence you think you have to assign to the person who's changing. And that is the example that I was explaining earlier where people will put onto you while you are changing. And then you start to kind of question even sometimes too, like, is this me or are they right? I think that that's important to recognize as well that it might happen and it's uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, unfortunately it happens, but I think there needs to be a level of grace and compassion that has to be extended because of the shift, um, especially when they're like lifelong relationships. Um, I think that there has to be an understanding that neither person is wrong 
and that you know hopefully that maybe we're now two people are either growing apart or taking a temporary break from each other that at some point that if this is meant to happen that it will um and i think you know going back to saying that whether this solitude is going to be forcefully given to you by source or you're going to willfully take it a lot of times when it's forced it's because you're starting to enter a space of misalignment and the quickest way to see that is in your relationships because our relationships mirror who we are and that is probably one of the toughest processes to go through and that's another thing too i hope one day you know i think i'll talk further on losing relationships because i think sometimes losing relationships we think it's so negative or we think that losing relationship means that you know one person was bad and one person was good and it simply isn't even that um so yeah but i hope that this resonates and that people are hopefully inspired to do the shadow work um, i'm also noticing that people are retreating will retreat but then very quickly hop back into a similar cycle so you might gain some information, but because you're afraid or have a fear of being alone, start unpacking that. Start asking yourself, why do I want to be around people that make me feel that don't resonate anymore? And is that a greater sacrifice than being alone? So, so I hope this resonated. Or if this does resonate or if it's something that's happening to you, I hope this gives you a sense of, this gives you some level of understanding. Because I know for me when it was happening, <laughs> I had no idea what the fuck was happening to me. Excuse my language. I truly did not know what was going on with me when I started purging all of these things. And I felt like it was truly God saying, I'm calling you closer. And I had asked for that. I had asked for that. But I just didn't think that calling me closer would look the way that it did um so yeah so i hope you all enjoy this episode i know it's been a while and again you know it's something that i just came out of another period of solitude um willingly um i just was kind of feeling like i was missing something um or i wasn't aligned with exactly what i was supposed to be doing so I had to take a moment and in the process of being in solitude, it was like, oh, okay, talk about solitude. And this came easier than everything else. I even had recorded a podcast where audio was not my friend. Um, I had a podcast with a dear friend of mine who we will be doing something in the future again, but there was a lot of issues with it. It was supposed to be like a two-part series and it just didn't happen. And I was like, okay, that's not what is ne needed right now. And now we are entering an energetic shift. It's springtime and there is a certain energy and fire in the air where people are, this is like peak manifesting time. This is like peak planting your seeds and watch this shit bloom, you know, midsummer towards the end of summer for the rest of the year. And so I think that, you know, I would advise everyone you know even if it's a day granted you know i believe that we should have longer periods 
But really, truly ask yourself what you want from this year. Really ask yourself how could you show up as your best self this year. Um, My friend always talks about self-efficacy and how it's important. Self-efficacy is the maximum ability to do something. Um, And so I think that that's important is to realize how could I maximize on the very thing that I want. Um, But yeah. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully it's just, you know, I'm not taking this long (laughs) of a period to put some content out, but I really feel like this is coming at the right time. So until next time, peace.